The following program is sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content. Welcome to From the Median, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Good evening and welcome to From the Median, where we are concerned with the middle ground, not just to understand both sides of an argument, but also to awaken the consciences of those who are neutral or indifferent to this, the greatest civil rights movement of all times, the pro-life movement. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining. I am joined right now by Father Shannon Bequet, and he is here to talk with us about a very, very interesting subject. As you all know, I grew up in Africa. I, I am, I think my two oldest children are seventh generation African and I was sixth generation from uh, born in Africa. So we were there for a long, long time, probably as many as, as long as many of you have been in America, in North America. But at the time that I was growing up, particularly around about the, you know, sixties and seventies, right at that sort of impressionable age, we had an American Secretary of State that came over and just absolutely wooed all of us. We just absolutely loved this man. He appeared to have all the solutions to, to do everything that was right, etc. And of course, his name was Henry Kissinger. Many of you may not remember him. You, he might be somebody in the past, but I'm certainly old enough to remember this man who just had an incredible impact. Well, now we're discovering that that incredible impact was not good impact. And I read a very interesting article by Father Shannon just very recently in the, at the beginning of December. And I thought I got to get Father Shannon back on the program again, Father, because it has written this article called Kissinger's Dark Legacy, Weaponizing Population Control. Father Bouquet, thank you so much for, for joining us. Oh, Molly, it's always a great blessing to be with you and your audience. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's, you, you are one of those people that are, you're a mine of information and, and probably because you have seen so many different countries and you have dealt with so many different issues and situations in those countries, Father. You know, I, I look at the, the whole, you've always been very opposed to the population control agenda. You've always been very pro-life. You've always, you know, taken that, that whole message of God's love for all of us that he created us in his image and likeness. And you've spread it all over the world through Human Life International. Of course, folks, you have to remember that Father Shannon is the, um, the president and of uh, Human Life International, which is an amazing organization. One of those organizations HLI is you go go to their website and see all the things that they're doing hli.org and you'll see all the things that they are doing that is just god given so father but first of all let's firstly number one thank thank you thank you for so much for coming on the show oh well thank you very much like, like i said it's always a blessing because it's it's great to talk about these issues and and to bring you know people uh, to a sense of awareness of of what is really happening not only here in the united states uh, in North America, particularly, but also what's happening around the world. And sometimes we kind of lose our connection uh, to what happens here in the states and especially in our state and government policy, how that affects uh, other countries around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Your article was about um Henry Kissinger had just died. I mean, he had he, he died of um, um 
very shortly. I think I think it was at the beginning of uh, of November or the end of December of, of no, beginning of December, end of November, somewhere around that time. Um, and and you you mentioned there that you know he was the great uh, he had he was the great mind behind the the policy of rapprochement between um, United States and, and Communist China. You know to try to increase trade, to try to make it you know better for America. And most of what he did was to promote American, uh, uh, whatever, American ways, American uh, uh, business, American everything, um, to the detriment in lots of t- lots of places. In fact, everywhere he was doing this to the detriment of a lot of countries, of third world countries. Tell us a little bit about uh, who this man was. So as, as, as our re- uh, listeners may or may not be aware, of course, now we have to go all the way back to 1974 into the 1970s and 80s under the Nixon and Ford administrations to really pick up the name Henry Kissinger. And so, you know, obviously he served uh, in very key in, uh, roles under these administrations. And a lot of what he did was influence how the U.S. government looks at its policy, its foreign policy. And Raleigh, as you stated, you know, when we look at the interests of the United States, now whether those interests be economic, political, military, you know, how we deal with commerce, all of these interests are things that we as a country should be interested in. However, it's what shapes the policy, which shapes the mindset, the framework of how the U.S. will approach these Uh, these policies in relationship to foreign governments. And as we know that when we look at our consumeristic uh, culture, we look at the way, how do we obtain the goods that we need in order to maintain our own lifestyle, our own political security, our own military security, and so forth. So what shapes, what comes out out of this uh, uh, conversation is what we call the National Security uh, Memorandum 200. So this is NSSM 200, and people can go to HLI's website. We have a substantial amount of information on this declassified document, which really outlines how Kissinger and the United States is going to approach its policies toward other countries. So, i.e., here, now we're dealing with how do we uh, encourage, promote depopulation in countries where certain goods are needed, or maybe there could be military threat, and how do we encourage people to embrace this uh, population control, this contraceptive mentality, the way we call it today. And this runs throughout the document, and it actually names you know, a number of countries, the Philippines being one of them along with a number of other countries that the U.S. is going to aim this policy at. And it's not going to do this through its own um, organizations because then it might make the U.S. look bad that we're promoting this kind of mindset. It's going to use other agencies through the United Nations, the United Nations Population Fund, the WHO, and other non-governmental organizations, you know, to employ this policy around the world. And for our audience, you know, it's important to understand that today at that, at that time, remember that there were also had the, uh, uh, the so-called belief that the world was going to be overpopulated. We were dealing with an overpopulation in certain countries. And so they used this uh, you know, to also 
orchestrate their plan and to convince people that their poverty was due to their uh, overpopulation, that it was in the best interest of governments in other countries to depopulate, to promote contraception. And, and as we also know, the document mentions but it doesn't obviously, um, uh, in the sense of put into policy, abortion because we could not use funding to promote abortion around the world. But what it could do is use other agencies to, to, to advocate for that. And we know that no population around the world has ever been able to successfully cause a depopulation without the legalization or criminalization or decriminalization of abortion. So abortion plays into this very strongly. So all this is owed to Kissinger. Wow. And so in the world is, in a sense, uh, celebrating the, the life of this man, this great so-called statesman. You know, I have nothing to celebrate with this man mm -hmm. who has been a, a tremendous advocate for depopulation. You know, the uh, realization around the world. Let me give you an example. In the Philippines, you know, it now is below replacement level. So in 1965, the average size family in the Philippines was about six to seven children per family. That now is just hovering right at the, the, the replacement. And now for the first time, we've seen the numbers show below replacement level. So this is just one example of how wow. foreign policy in the U.S., affects policy and uh, procedure uh, in the sense of governments around the world. Wow. Unbelievable. The Philippines is now below replacement level? Correct. That's right. Oh. Oh, and so when you mentioned China me. with the one-child yeah. policy, uh, I, I mentioned in my article, and I, I know that you'll kind of make note of it uh, mm -hmm. for people to have access to, but I think it would be important for people to read the document, to read the information on NSSN200, but also to to realize that this document has never been rejected. It is still U.S. foreign policy. It is still very much woven into all of our foreign policy. And to give an example, under the Obama administration, people might remember that then Vice, you know, Vice President Biden, you know, uh, pushed this understanding to Kenya. You know, the uh, that if you were to promote abortion and so forth and legalize this and, you know, all these issues of what they want to call reproductive health rights, i.e. contraception, abortion, sterilization, and uh, that the money will flow. Yeah. So the idea here is we use money leverage in the U.S. to leverage other countries to embrace our ridiculous mindset of contraception and abortion. Mm -hmm. And this this is horrible. Pope Benedict condemned it. John Paul condemned it. Pope Francis has condemned this mindset. And it's still very much in U.S. state policy. All we have to do is look at the United Nations Population Fund and see how it operates or the WHO and other U.N. agencies that work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You also mentioned the fact that there's never, that Kissinger, you know, he was concerned about what was going on in China at the time with the one child right. policy, but he, but he excused it. Brutal, right. brutal murder of children. And, right. and, and, and really, to be quite honest with you, uh, parents who wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, were treated brutally as well. Parents who would not accept the, the one child policy. Exactly. So he, matter of fact, he did an interview, and I mentioned this in my column uh, of recent, and just, you know, obviously, it's it, Kissinger did not directly, uh, you know, or uh, uh, create the one-child policy. But at the same time, this mindset, this kind of framework, you know, shapes, you know, so many policies and state governments around the world today. 
uh, which could be attributed, you know, to, you know, people like Kissinger. And in a way, in this, in this interview, he is in celebrating, you know, look at the success, you know, of the one child policy. So he's, he's celebrating something that has cost the lives, Molly, as you said, of, of millions of little boys and girls, the heinous crimes against parents who have been uh, you know, charged with a crime because they wanted to welcome a second child. We had parents, and as you know from uh, following this for years, is you know parents abandoning their firstborn child because they're now welcoming a second child, and if they're found out, then you know the, the, the child will be killed and so forth. The family will lose all of its privilege. You had families reporting, family members, neighbors reporting, family members, friends. This is he's celebrating this this mindset, but he's looking at it from a utilitarian point of view, Bali, from yep. a very pragmatic, economic and financial uh, reality. And he's celebrating the fact. Look at the financial gains. Look at the industry. Look at how all this is. We can celebrate. And you know, never did it pa- cause Kissinger to pause, like so many people in this mindset. Look at the damage you've done. Mm-hmm. Look at the harm you've done. Look at the crime against the unborn. Look at the, the crime against human rights that begin, you know, with the moment of conception that originates in the human person, not in governments, not in policy. The man, you know, is, is not someone to celebrate. He may have had many gifts and many, many other things that people saw as valuable. But I will tell you, that's nothing, nothing I celebrate in, in, the, in the life of this Absolutely. man. You know, who's promoted such and advocated for such, such crimes against human dignity. Devastation, devastation to the human population. Unbelievable. You know, one of the things that, and and I'm going to, I'm going to go back to it because I think, Father, it's worth thinking about. You actually put in there, um, one of the paragraphs that come out of this document. Um, it says the, the U.S. economy will require large and increasing amounts of minerals from abroad, especially from less developed countries. That fact gives the U.S. enhanced interest in the political, economic, and social stability of the supply countries. Whenever a lessening of the population pressures through reduced birth control, birth rates can increase the prospects of such stability, population policy becomes, it becomes relevant to resource supplies and to the economic interests of the United States. Yep. It's right there. If people, you know, if people are not aware of, of how evil this is, Exactly. And, and it's not conspiracy. I mean, you know, we, we, of course, HLI has been con- uh, accused of conspiracy theories, uh, you know, for decades. And this, what you just read from my column is in the document. Mm-hmm. This is what it says. This is what it advocates for. And all people look at is, you know, as I said, you know, in, in the beginning of our interview, does the U.S. have interest for for its in, that are of concern to all of us as citizens of the United States, yes. Mm-hmm. However, the ends do not justify Absolutely. the means, and so this is the issue here: is yes, we have legitimate concerns about the well-being and flourishing of our own country, and yes, we need to be concerned about these issues and have legitimate conversation and policies and so forth, but not at the detriment of other human beings. And, you know, and we think about this, you know, in, in, the, in what they call lesser developed nations, you know, what we some people today would call the underdeveloped world. I don't like those terms at all because we're talking about people. We're not talking about things. And so exactly. the reality is that, again, it shows the mindset that basically that we, we must 
you know, control these environments so that we can continue to have our nice big cars, our nice big houses, mm -hmm. you know, and all these things. And on the backs of other people, that's right. That is the, that's, that's the, the heinous crime here. And so, and the realization is, is that the West wants to live as it wishes to live and it, and, and it manipulates and exploits those of, of, uh, in other countries. And this is why, as you can tell in my own voice, and you can, anyone who reads my columns, this is very, I'm very passionate about this because I see it firsthand. Yep. I mean, when you realize in Africa, the continent of Africa, that, you know, the numbers change periodically depending on, on what's available. But, but, in, uh, but basically, you know, you have 30%, at least uh, 30% of the people of the continent of Africa have no access to clean drinking water. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, here we are exploiting them and exploiting their political situations and, uh, and causing, you know, great harm to many of these countries by our own policies, you know, and where we could, and on the flip side, could be using our resources for their good and their well-being and work in partnership, you know, to, for their good and also to have our own benefit, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so there could be a moral path forward. Absolutely. This is not moral. No. And, and that's why we've had, you know, great popes, you know, and our current Holy Father, you know, condemning such behavior. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, I, I talk about this all the time, um, Father, about the fact that um, growing up in Africa back, you know, I was uh, born back in the 50s and, and you know, I, I grew up in Africa and I was there until 1970 to, till 72, 70, 70, somewhere in the early 70s. Um or to, actually towards the late 70s. Um, but in all that time, my norm for Zambia, which is where I grew up, and then we also lived in Zimbabwe and South Africa, um, my norm was to see the celebration of children in every village. I mean, the villages, when there was a child born, the drums would start beating. It would be a celebration. It would be so wonderful. And there were lots of children. You go back there now, very different. Very different right. to these countries, That's right. and That's right. so the, in my lifetime, I've seen that difference. Well, you know, often says, you know, you know, all we've done basically is made large, fam poor, large families into small, poor families. That's exactly because we've right. not done anything to change the systemic reasons for poverty. We have not addressed the corrupt governments. We haven't addressed the fact exactly of right. low mechanization, electrification, industrialization, access to technology. These are the things, again, all we have to do is go back and read Santissimus Annas under John Paul II, and he's talking about these things. Mm -hmm. So this is nothing new that we as a church are, have not addressed. We continue to address the exploitation and the lack of the sharing of technology and, and, and seeing the human person not as a means to some end, but as a human being with rights and dignity that are inalienable and immutable, we haven't, we don't, this is not how much of our policy and under the Trump administration, which is very interesting when we were changing, remarkably changing some of these policies and, and approaches, but under the Trump administration, having worked with a few people in that administration, they admitted that so much of this anti life policy, this depopulation policy that runs from NSSN 200 has so been tentacled into so many areas that it is going to take, uh, you know, it, it would just Decades, take a, yeah. a person's lifetime yeah. to get it out of there, yeah. you know, because it's in all the policy. Look at, look at Biden, look at the Biden administration, Molly, 
and how it is working with foreign governments. Absolutely. Sexual reproductive rights, as I already mentioned, contraception, abortion, sterilization. And now we'd have to include the mutilization of human bodies and the sexual identity confusion, i.e. transgenderism. That's all now in their state policy. You know, do you have contraception? Do you have sexual reproductive rights for women? This is what this is the starting point of so much of our state policy. So this document is still alive and And breathing. Yeah, alive and well. I mean, it's not even just it's not on life support at all. It's well, it's doing very well out there. It's thriving. Yeah, it's thriving. It's thriving. Exactly. You know, and I, I, I look at all of this and you see it also. I mean, there's, there's lots of evidence now that the cobalt that we're, that we're mining out of, you know, parts of the third world. When I say third world, that's not a negative. It's, it's, it's a positive. In fact, I would prefer <laughs> some of the stuff I'd prefer to live over there. But, um, you see that, um, and, and the same thing again, all over again. It's to, it's for, it's for whatever agenda there is in a, a sort of economic, financial agenda in America or in the, in the developed world is, is taking over. And, you know, you know, basically saying to these people, you go, and I'm using it purposefully, you go to hell. We really don't care about you. It's right. terrible. We- well, it's like, like Pope Francis talked about this ideological colonization, you know, and so you think about, so we basically, in order to, to get people to have the, the, to kind of win over their mind to be, uh, to advocate for the U.S., we have to convince them to, to do exactly how we do and to act like we act. And so we colonize their minds through propaganda yeah. and, and yeah. so forth. And, and so again, this is, so we still under the area, uh, era of colonization. So not with weapons or tanks today, but with propaganda, with That's state right. policy. Yeah. And, 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 and Kissinger says that in the document. Mm-hmm. And so, be, and I think it's important for people to see because we don't want people to think badly of the U.S., but I, I want to tell you, having traveled to 91 countries, people do think badly about the U.S. because in the developing world, you know, the, the world that needs the things that we, we take so for granted, Clean drinking water, electrification, you know, sewage, you know, uh, the management of, of garbage and all these various things that we so take for granted in this country and other Western countries that they don't have access to. They look at us and know that they're that not with great joy. They, they know that much of their struggle is because of us, yeah, because of our policies and what we impose on them. And, you know, and, and I see it firsthand you know, through the agencies that I see working in these countries that are advocating not for the well-being of the human person, but exploitation of that human person. And, you know, and this is something that's why for me, when I uh, when I speak on these issues, again, it's just very passionate because I see it. This is not something to me that's in a textbook, you know, in some uh, philosophical, theological discussion. This is see it firsthand what the impact is on people around the world. Absolutely. And so, so when people were celebrating, you know, uh, Kissinger's, uh, you know, uh, lifetime, you know, uh, I, I, my only prayer as I ended my article was I pray that in whatever moments that he had at the end of his life, that somehow he came to see the error and cried out for mercy mm-hmm. because, you know, and I, and I pray that was, I hope that was reality. That, that was my prayer. And so, and, I'm, and I and I keep him in my prayers because you know no soul is to be lost. And so, but but his track record didn't look good. 
No, it sure didn't. It absolutely did it didn't. And you know, I, I I will put your article up on our website, folks, so that you can read it. It is very well worth reading. And click on the links there that that father has in the in the article because um, it's an eye opener. And you know, you you you're able to do this very. Um, uh, unusual thing for these that you're you're providing all that information, but you're not trashing the United States. You're you're trashing the policy that has been adopted by people who men who are totally pragmatic don't have any. There's very little ethics involved in this. It is it is so real as to what's happening. And I can say the same as you, having been to Africa and having lived in Africa and having gone back to visit Africa, I am seeing firsthand what has happened to these beautiful countries and these amazing people that live there. They have so much to teach us. I've always said this, the African people in the countries that I grew up have so much to teach us that, you know, we we could, we could be colonized by them many times. So, you know, it's, it's you know, in its own way, you know, because the the strong family values, the strong uh, neighborhoods and community values that they have are very attractive. And, and like yourself, I, I truly enjoy being and and living and and, uh, and ministering among my brothers and sisters in these various countries. Uh, and I think again, that's why it always upsets me was to see this because this is how I was raised in yep. my own family. Yep. This is how the values we held very, uh, very beautifully in our own family. And to see our, our country, you know, no longer celebrating these core values and instead, you know, proposing things that have no value yep. and, and, you know, and a wokeism that has nothing to do with human dignity, but purely ideological positions, which not is not for the good of any person. And, and and all has an agenda behind it, and we need to wake up to this. And and you're right. I mean, I uh, I have a great love for my own country. I have a great admiration, you know, for my own heritage and the and the, and the joy of that heritage. At the same time, I'm disappointed in how our country, through certain personalities like Kissinger and government administrations, have used power to leverage not for the good of others. But for selfish motivations, and this is nothing to celebrate. Yeah, exactly right. Father Shannon Bekath, as always, so interesting to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. You are really are a shining light in, in the world right now. So thank well, you. Thank you, Molly. Always great to be with you and your audience. Let's continue to pray for each other. Let's Absolutely. pray for, for, for change of hearts and minds in yep. our country. And pray for Kissinger's soul. Absolutely. Amen. Okay. Amen. God bless you lots. Bye-bye. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. I will be back with you right after this very short break with another world-class, inspiring guest.